bringing over 20 years of experience in finance insurance taxation and skills in some of the largest corporates in india to the field of social entrepreneurship and training and a very special guest speaker edward chancellor who is a leading financial historian after reading history at cambridge and oxford edward worked as an investment banker financial journalist and fund manager he is the author of devil take the hindmost history of financial speculation in 2005 he published crunch time for credit his latest book is the price of time the real story of interest a great 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 discussion between two great minds on money interest rate and why the rich are so rich if you care for your money and time a must listen conversation a must listen episode for you Also because we are talking about money I recently discovered an amazing app called My Brands where you can make the best shopping best purchasing decisions uh, by by understanding of the reviews about the products and brands from real people I hope you like it too So the conversation had been recorded at the JLF festival so try to listen it carefully for better experience Tune in Thank you and pleasure uh, having you at uh, Trending Diary. Uh, we run a podcast, uh, and it, it's it's such an honor to have you on with us today. So you've been writing on the financial markets. I mean, uh, did your name lend itself to your profession? Answer yes. Um, <laughs> I think you know I when the Financial Times reviewed. Uh, my book, uh, some of the comment section, com- commentary section wrote, uh, people called Chancellor shouldn't write about monetary affairs. Exactly. <clears throat> so uh, you've written extensively about um, speculation and speculative bubbles, and as it has formed over the years, you've written extensively about the dot-com bubble, about uh, the housing bubble and the subprime crisis that subsequently engulfed the world. And uh, you also talked about the problems of uh, quantitative easing. So, how do you feel about Bern- uh, Bernard getting the Nobel Prize? Yes, I, I think it should have been me. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I, I don't, I don't belong to the world of the the, the monetary policy makers and monetary economists. Uh, they are sort of closed. They're clique. They didn't really listen to people on the outside, and uh, they gave uh, Ben Bernanke, former Fed chairman, was given uh, was one of the recipients of the Alfred Nobel Memorial Prize in Egypt exactly. uh, last year, uh, just as uh, the um, the policies that Bernanke had set in place after the global financial crisis. Uh, the policies of QE and zero interest rates were beginning to collapse. So we had, uh, following from that, you had the uh, 
recurrence of inflation. I remember, I mean, probably don't remember, back in 2010, Bernanke said, uh, we can raise interest rates in 10 minutes. And the moment Federal Reserve started raising interest rates, all hell broke loose, uh, both in the United St States, because the US dollar is global reserve currency, right. as you know, across the rest of the world, emerging markets were hit, uh, the stock markets around the world were hit, bond markets around the world were hit. So it's quite clear that, that Bernanke's idea that you could raise interest rates just like that after a period of very low rates in which bubbles have, have built up, in which a lot of debt have built up, in which a lot of dubious uh, fi financial practices had been uh, entertained, uh, that that was wrong. So I think that um, the Nobel Prize for, for Bernanke was uh, mistimed and was really signed by the by the so, uh, economics establishment that that they neither cared nor observed what was going on in the real world. Was it irony or was it sarcasm? Was it with, was it irony or was it sarcasm? Irony, I think. <laughs> <No>, irony. <laughs> so. Um, a lot of the viewers of this, uh, the audience for this podcast are very young people uh, who might not have the uh, vision to uh, understand that cycles keep repeating itself and we keep learning nothing about it. Um, so every era of quantitative easing and low interest rates has seen bubbles grow. Um, you have spoken uh, at length about crypto, which has been uh, something that has you know come up and gone down. Despite people knowing about altcoins or so-called Dogecoins and uh, etc., having no intrinsic value, you know, still getting traded only for the profit. How do you think um, humankind in future will be able to control its greed? No, I, I don't think. No, Gordon Deco. Humans are driven by greed and by fear. That fear is more dominant emotion than greed. Uh, in finance, we, as you say, have these. Uh, in cycles, uh, so we have these cycles of booms and busts of greed and fear, and um, you know, one of the one of the pleasures of being a financial historian is you see repeated behavior that there's nothing new under the sun, or as my friend James Grant, financial historian, says, we keep on stepping on the same rates, and oh, no. rates keep on pitting us in the face, and so. Uh, one of the advantages for young people is if they read and at history books, read my books, for instance, uh, they don't have to actually experience the lot themselves. Uh, so you can, you can actually learn from history. So sometimes the school of art notes is the biggest, uh, you know, educator. And absolutely. I mean, you know, if you work in investment, uh, you, uh, you need to lose money in order to gain experience so right you can only learn so much and then you learn uh from also losing money so the best time that makes investment the interesting subject is you're thinking about stuff uh trying to come up you know deal with complex problems and then you make decisions sometimes and then you see whether the decisions are right or wrong and if they're wrong uh, the best thing to do is to love my old boss uh, jeremy grantham say uh, you have to cry over spilt milk. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So one thing that I would like to ask you is, over the last um, 
several decades, I think from the 70s onwards, capital has been moving away from productive uh, utilization into uh, more financial or speculative assets. Um, so today, if, if you give a young person, let's say, a million dollars, it is unlikely that they will go and set up a productive facility, more likely that they would try to invest it in some financial instrument. How do you think that leverage uh, uh, has affected our understanding of risk? Yes, well, I, I think, um, and you're right, um, I think that there are two really parts and answers to your question. First of all, I would argue that, remember, uh, that the period of very low interest rates, in theory, it should encourage, uh, lower the cost of borrowing, encourage people to borrow and establish businesses. In reality, uh, uh, as I say in my book, uh, it actually means that old businesses stay around and, uh, and never die. Um, and then, so you get fewer deaths, business mm -hmm. deaths. And when you get fewer business deaths, you get fewer new businesses created. In fact, you get less opportunity for more dividends. Uh, but also, if you get very low interest rates, you get very, and you and bring interest rates down and, and central bank prints lots of money, uh, you get these asset price bubbles. And, you know, do you want to uh, set up a business uh, that, uh, you know, that might return 15% uh, a year in 10 years' time, but has 50% chance of failing? Or do you want to just go into a market that is rising 15, 20% a year and bet in that market? Uh, and this is not just, you know, uh, giving money to a young person. Uh, this is also true of corporations themselves, right? Uh, which are preferred. Uh, this, I, I don't think it's a situation here in India, but definitely in the United States, where companies, instead of investing in their ongoing activities, have used uh, uh, much that they've used their profits and they borrowed money to buy back their shares. Exactly. Um, so, uh, so it's happening in India as well. It is. Yeah. So the cash reserves are getting, uh, you know put into buying back the shares and thereby buying the uh, prices of the shares. Rather. And, and uh, my argument is that ultra-low interest rates, too low interest rates, encourages, encourages financial engineering. Or as um, it was, as a London economist uh, called, uh, called Jan Morosky says, in an age of finance, finance, mostly finance is finance. Finance, that's it. So that's so correct. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I have noticed is just disconnect. Uh, one thing that I have noticed is uh, that you know, in in case both bubbles or uh, or such um, market collapses, uh, what happens is that the people who perpetrated it, the people who fell towards irrational exuberance, as the famous term goes. Um, they get away with it. The bankers kept getting their bonuses and kept getting bailed out as too big to fail. But it's the person at the bottom of the pyramid who gets hit the high hardest. So if you look at the cost of living crisis that is hitting uh, the yeah. UK at the moment, I agree with you. So, um, so how does one work around that? I've structured a uh, chapter in my book on, on uh, how the very low interest rate of recent years has actually contributed to wealth and income inequality. The way you understand that is um, people, you know, older people uh, who own 
houses, shares. I was going to come to the, the interest rates go down. Uh, they, um, they become richer. Whereas, uh, if you don't own any assets and you're young, then the house price goes up, can't afford to buy a house. And if the interest rates low, you put your money in the bank and you get no return on your money. And then you, uh, what you do with your money, you put it in cryptocurrency and you lose it all in a cryptocurrency. Um, and so, and then you think about uh, income in, uh, pick up people who own companies, uh, senior executives who have paid with stock options and whose payments related to uh, the uh, share price, they their their income rises with um, with the stock market and therefore they become richer when low interest rates inflate high asset price. And then you have the bankers and the bankers when rates are low, uh, we, it's much easier to do deals and, and the bankers get paid fees for the deals and then you know if you work in the investment business your income is just a derivative right at the level of the market right. so you see put all that together and then you can and this is my argument is that the low rates actually benefit the rich and the bank out of some finances and they hurt those who are not and in particular they hurt uh the well no the but they hurt uh younger people and Another thing that is constantly overlooked is that poor people have more of their financial assets in cash. In cash. Uh, whereas richer people... As opposed to instruments. Yeah, and whereas rich people, richer you are, the more likely you are to engage in some form of financial engineering. You invest in private equity companies and such, which use debt to enhance value. So, in fact, uh, the irony of the modern world is that the richer are taking the money... Uh, when interest rates are low from the poor and using that money uh, to enhance their own fortune. On, on so I think it creates inequality. And in, in actually my book, I say, remember the Thomas Piketty, the French economist? Of course. And he says that uh, when uh, this quite he says inequality that uh, uh, is increases when uh, the rate of return is, is um, let me see, is, is higher than the um, rate of GDP growth. Right. And I argue that actually when the rate of interest are also is lower than lower growth, that actually uh, inequality increases. So I, GDP index I, I, I say that uh, Piketty has got, the Piketty's form is correct, it's just the sign has to be turned around. Ah, uh, uh, it's exactly wrong. <laughs> that makes sense. My last question to you uh, would be about, uh, you know, uh, about what is happening. So you see, India is is a demographic. Uh, it's a Christmas tree at the moment. Which is good, yeah. Uh, yes. So we have India has the best demographics in the world uh, with us. But if if we look at uh, societies that are getting older, India. I mean, China has recently reported their uh, population to have gone down by eight hundred thousand or almost a million people, and their average age has gone up to thirty five. Um, if you look at US or, or Europe or the UK, US, I think it's okay. Uh, so US, the, the baby boomers have, have now, their uh, neighbor forces through immigration immediately and their birth rate is also incomparably higher yeah. than the others. But, you know, the, the older Europe has the worst demographics. You, you're a prominent. Yes. China, Japan, Japan, Japan. Uh, South, South Korea, Korea coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. South Korea coming in. So, while the inequalities, I mean, it is also an intergenerational inequality of um, 
of opportunities. So the older generation, as you just said now, have acquired all the houses and the assets and they're sitting on that, them and no offense intended, the lifespan is getting longer. <laughs> so up until COVID. Up until COVID. Um, so, so how do you think this will play out and how long do you think, do you see a revolution coming? A revolution is a strong word. He tended. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I, my argument in the book was that the, that the, that the low rate era has built up inequality and it has slowed economic growth and it's created a perception of unfairness. And if you put all that together, people's confidence in capitalism declines and they even their confidence in democracy. Correct. Absolutely. And, um, and so then get a position where there's potential for pushback. Pushback. Yes. And so I think that no, it's a stronger word, but pushback, I think comes possibly in the form of uh, a shift to higher taxes, wealth taxes, higher taxes of corporations, uh, restrictions on it. I mean, as we've seen in Davos, the ultra reach are now saying, hey, please tax us, hey, please tax us. After having gone to the Cayman Islands in Ireland to evade their taxes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Very well informed. Thank you, beautiful people, for listening. I hope you get some value today. I was one of the lucky ones who was able to experience this conversation live. Both are the great minds. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed it too. And show some love, show some kindness. You can share this episode with your friends. You can follow us back. So you'll be the first one to get the new episode, new episode whenever we are launching one. And also you can give us your validation, your positive feedback on Apple Podcast by uh, by leaving a review, whatever you think about this podcast, any episode that you really like. Uh, that really motivates us and support us to, to produce better content. So yeah, I look forward uh, to see you in another episode with another great story with another great human. Until then, bye-bye and God bless us all.